Hey guys, welcome back to the Misp Independent Podcast. I'm your host, Nika, and I'm going to do things a little differently today. I always want to mix up the content on here because there are so many things in this world that interest me and fascinate me and that I want to learn about more and share with you. So I don't want to keep this strictly about stock investing, although I do heavily invest in the markets. It's not entirely who I am, and I want this podcast to be a full reflection of me. I love investing. I love real estate. I can genuinely talk about these things until the end of time. I'm a real fun person to have at a dinner party. But I'm also a business owner. And being an entrepreneur put me in a very unique position where I get to see the world from a completely different lens. Last year, I read this book called The Diamond Cutter, which talks about the intersection of spirituality and business. And it sparked a lot of different thoughts for me. Spirituality and business... I've always been two separate concepts that I've explored quite a bit. So learning about where they collide was tremendously eye-opening. And that's what this episode is on today. I've done a lot of soul searching. I went to Peru to the depths of the Andes Mountains completely by myself. So I did a solo trip and I did it to get a deeper understanding of who I am and what my purpose is in this world. I did a yoga retreat when I was there, and that actually inspired me to do a 200-hour yoga teacher training course. So now I'm a certified yoga teacher. I don't actively teach, and to be honest, I can barely keep up with my own practice. But yoga and meditation is still something that I'm really curious about. And exploring this passion has actually helped me quite a bit in business. I love those spaces where two ideas or two concepts that are completely different connect. So psychology, for example, where it intersects with business, be like consumer behavior, or where technology intersects with art, which is NFTs. And that's something that I'm exploring quite a bit right now as well. So for today's episode, I'm going to talk about letting go of limiting beliefs around money. And I want to share some bits from the book that helped inspire me explore and reflect on limiting beliefs that I have. And I'm going to get into how letting go of them has shaped me into the person that I am. So let's get into some limiting beliefs around money. The first thing that I want to dive into is the whole idea of money in general. Most ideas that we have about money, how we're supposed to interact with it, whether we have enough or can never have enough, these are things that are embedded in us from childhood. And a philosophy or belief that I've had to let go of in recent years is the idea that money is not the end goal. I shared this before with you guys. My family moved here from the Soviet Union and they risked everything. They left their friends, their family, their job behind. They moved here with a three-year-old, which is me, when they were in their 20s. And I think about that and that's terrifying because they were my age. They had a toddler and they just picked up and moved to a completely different country but they were doing it in search of a better life. And they did find one here. So my parents are both software developers with university degrees while paying jobs. When I talk about these limiting beliefs, I recognize that I'm coming from a place of privilege. I hate being inauthentic. So I'm never gonna claim that I'm self-made or have made it on my own because my parents had such a big role in my upbringing to make me who I am today. My parents never struggled to put food on the table and they gave me everything that they ever could they built a pretty comfortable life for themselves here. So I'm eternally grateful for them. 
But many people go through financial stress and they're worried about putting food on the table. And when you're so focused on whether you can feed your children or provide shelter, it's really hard to focus on anything else. So getting yourself out of that position, out of a spot where you're counting every dollar is so critical for living in tune with your purpose. When you're stressed about your financial position, it takes up a lot of our mental bandwidth, a lot of our creative bandwidth, and we're not able to show up as our truest and best selves in this life. Once you take care of all your financial obligations, you're not living paycheck to paycheck. You can come to a place where you're working on things that are of service to others. Or you can start focusing on your purpose and question what kind of value you want to provide to this world. That's, that's what wealth means to me. It's having the ability to meet all my financial obligations and have the time and energy to focus on what I'm passionate about and what service I can provide to the world. So the limiting belief here, and I want you to think about this and think about how you feel about it, is this idea that money is evil. Money itself is neither good nor bad. It's just a tool. And being wealthy isn't something that I'm striving for, but more so it's using wealth as a tool to open myself up to service. I mentioned the book, The Diamond Cutter, and this book really helped me break free from limiting beliefs I had in my life around money, but specifically helped me understand where I'm limiting myself with my own business. And a lot of that involves being intentional about how my business and my actions are leading with purpose. The full name of the book, in case anybody wants to read it, and I'll link it in the show notes as well, is called The Diamond Cutter, The Buddha on Managing Your Business and Your Life. And it's written by Michael Roach and Christine McNally. It's a collection of ancient and contemporary wisdom from the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. The author gives a really fresh insight into ancient wisdom. And he uses examples from his own experience as one of the founders of Andin International Diamond Corporation. It was started with a capital amount of 50,000, and today it has annual sales in excess of $100 million. A lot of the success of Andin actually comes from applying the business strategies that the author presents in The Diamond Cutter. And Michael Roach is actually a fully ordained Buddhist monk who studied in a Tibetan monastery for 22 years. He was ordered by his spiritual teacher to go work in the diamond industry in New York. And he applies the teachings from the Diamond Sutra, which is a sutra in the Buddhist tradition. He applies it to his everyday work without letting anybody know that he was actually a monk. So he says, I was to be a Buddhist sage on the inside and a normal American businessman on the outside. And what's amazing is that while under his leadership, the company soared to $100 million per year in annual sales. When somebody says that spirituality and business don't coincide, this whole book is about breaking down places where they actually do coincide and intersect. And to me, that's fascinating. So the author talks about this concept of emptiness and how people, situations, objects, they're neither good or bad in and of themselves. What we view them as is based on the judgment that we apply to them. So the first big limiting belief is the idea that money is either good or evil, and it's not. 
the relationship that we have with money, whether you're an entrepreneur and you're looking at the cash position of your business, or you're looking at it through the lens of an individual, the limiting belief that he presents the first issue is that in order to succeed, you have to avoid a stingy state of mind. I've talked about abundance versus growth before. There's a whole episode on this and I'm going to dive deeper into this in the next season. But the main lesson here is that when you think cheap, and this is the exact word that he uses, you lose creativity. You lose a truly generous outlook and you create limitations to your financial situation. So I can give you so many examples of this, but the first thing that comes to mind is when I was moving, we hired some movers on Facebook Marketplace and biggest mistake that we made is we hired the cheapest one so we could find. We were already going to spend money on movers, but we decided we were going to limit our costs and we hired the cheapest ones. To keep a horrible story short, um, you don't want to skimp out on movers. These guys came late. They asked for payment halfway through between coming to the new place and it, we were moving late into the night at around 2 a.m. Yes, literally 2 a.m. I had my mattress, my box spring, a bunch of boxes out on the driveway and me and my partner Alex were bringing everything inside. So it was just a complete mess. The lesson there, don't skip out on movers and don't be cheap. As a business owner, you always want to be scrappy and you know, naturally you're going to have cost limitations. It's just a part of the job, especially when you're starting out. So the main lesson that I took away from here is cheapness and scrappiness are not the same thing, but you want to avoid being cheap or stingy because it gets in the way of creativity. The next limiting belief that I want to get into is the idea that someone else should and will do things for me. And it's so much easier to ask someone else, right? Your future husband, your Prince Charming, whoever it is to have everything figured out. And when you're a kid, it's this idea of my mom will just take care of it for me. Then you move out and you're on your own and you're looking for a partner and you're waiting for someone else to take the responsibility for your actions or for your debt. And that's actually symptomatic of feeling like we're not good enough to do it. Like we're not smart enough, so we're going to wait. And we never turn on our full potential because we're constantly waiting for someone else to swoop in and save us. You've got to let go of that. You are enough. You are smart enough. And only you can save you. The next one that I'm going to get into is this idea that some people might have where they think that they're not good with money. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a baby be born, come out of the womb, that's able to talk and walk and is just moving with ease. I personally have them maybe on YouTube with AI. There, there are babies that come out that can walk and talk, but naturally it doesn't happen. So I want you to think about all of the skills that you've learned from being a child. And if you say that you're not good with money, it just means that you haven't learned those skills yet. So I want you to recognize that your beliefs, the ideas that you have become the actions that you take because you act in accordance with your beliefs. So if you think that you're not good with money, you're avoiding taking financial steps, you're avoiding investing. That is 
a sign that you just need to learn more. So you're, you're in the right place if you're here. And the way that you break through and move away from that limiting belief that I'm not good with money is you take small steps in order to build your confidence. And the first thing that you can do is just pay attention to your situation. Just be aware. Open up your bank account app every day and start to recognize and feel a sense of abundance and gratitude for everything that is in your life. And then once you start to have a more positive association with money, then you can go out and learn how to make more of it. When I was struggling financially a couple of years back, when I first uh, moved into my full-time job and I realized being an adult is actually really expensive. I talked about how I started to rack up credit card debt. One way that I moved away from that is I started to open up my bank account app every single day and I would be grateful for whatever is in there. And I realized that the more that I did that, the more that I started becoming aware and practicing gratitude, naturally I started to spend less than I made and my debt started to reverse itself. I started to work towards fixing the issue. So limiting belief number three, I'm not good with money. Something that we've got to rewire. Limiting belief number four, let go of negative inner dialogue and stop putting yourself down. The power of the human mind is incredible. If you look around and you see what humans have been able to accomplish, sure, there are, there's a ton that needs to be fixed in the world. But if you look at the complex financial systems we've built, the infrastructure, the technology, it's, it's amazing to see. And the mind is the most important tool that we have. So I like to think of thoughts like seeds that we plant and you water them by focusing on them more and letting them flourish. And you can choose which thoughts you plant. So what I mean by this, nobody has a gun to your head telling you what to think. At any point, you can switch your thinking and switch what you focus on. And the whole purpose of meditation, as I dwell further and further into this intersection of spirituality and business, is with meditation, you want to view your thoughts as if a projector is projecting them onto a screen in front of you. So a lot of people think that meditating means trying to stop your thoughts, but that's actually a completely wrong misconception. The whole point of meditating is you're trying to observe. You're the observer of thought. And as the observer, you guide your thinking in one way or another. So going back to this analogy of seeds, I like to think of thoughts as seeds and I get to choose which ones I plant. In the book, the author calls, uh, calls these seeds imprints. And the key limiting belief here is to let go of any imprints that are negative because they block you from achieving what you want. Going back to the first limiting belief that money is evil, if you think it's evil, and if you judge people who have it, subconsciously, you're never going to get to a state of financial abundance because why, why would you want something that you look upon as being so negative? So you're going to work against yourself getting there. Stop working against yourself. Those who succeed have seen themselves succeed in the past. So they planted this image in their mind or this imprint of themselves succeeding. 
And so that's what they're working towards. And that's why they're able to get to where they are. Next, I want to get into some general beliefs about money and some of the business problems that the author gets into. But the first block, the first block that I'm going to dissect here is the concept that money itself is neither good nor nor bad, which we talked about. And this this idea that people with a lot of resources can do more good in the world than people who don't have the resources. And the question, rather, isn't whether or not money is good or evil, but it's how we make that money. Whether we understand where it comes from, how to make it continue to come, and whether we have a healthy attitude about it. So the whole point that he makes in this section is the idea that we need to make money in a clean and honest way. And to understand clearly where it comes from so it doesn't stop coming. And to maintain a healthy attitude about it. So as long as we do those three things, making money is completely consistent and it's consistent with a spiritual way of life. In fact, it actually is a spiritual way of life. So there's a huge misconception that, you know, making money and spirituality don't coexist. And that's, that's entirely wrong. I have a lot of friends from all kinds of different walks of life and I try to surround myself with more business oriented people and I naturally gravitate towards that. But I also have a lot of creative friends, like artist friends, yoga teacher friends, people who think differently from me. And often, especially the yoga teacher friends, when they find out that I have a podcast teaching women to invest, they think, oh, well, if you're so business oriented and such a capitalist, um, they say, why, why are you so spiritual or how? Because those fields don't intersect and they do. They definitely do. So I want to shed some light on the fact that as long as you're ethically channeling your effort, money can do a lot of good in the world. The next limiting belief that I'm going to get into is this idea that money shouldn't be enjoyed. And I think part of that comes from, again, humble immigrant beginnings. My parents coming here trying to strive for that first level of financial success where they were just trying to put food on the table. And that, that's the first level that you think about. But once you get past that, the key is to learn how to keep your mind and body in good health while we make money. So this idea of creating wealth in a way that shouldn't exhaust us physically or mentally so that you can't actually enjoy the wealth. And from a business standpoint, a business person who ruins his health or his or her health doing business is actually defeating the very purpose of business. So this was a really hard lesson for me to learn. I've burnt myself out way too many times, way too many. And that's why I started focusing on eating healthy foods that nourish me. So I focused on working out. Um, so I actually got a personal trainer. I've talked about that a little bit on uh, my stories, but even though these things cost a substantial amount, I'm prioritizing those over spending money on things like cocktails or shopping. And I don't buy a lot of things, but I will spend the majority of my income on helping me stay physically and mentally sharp. So the limiting belief that I've let go of is this idea that a personal trainer is expensive because sure, I mean, if you break it down, yeah, it's expensive, but so are injuries. And I'm going back into working out and not moving for, you know, almost two years. So I definitely don't want to injure myself. Injuries are very expensive and poor joint function is expensive. That's why I've decided to spend on 
this category. Um, again, coming from a position of privilege because I recognize that not everybody is able to do that, but I'm choosing to prioritize and pull back on other areas so that I am able to enjoy it. It took me a really long time to decide whether or not I was I was going to get one, and I couldn't grapple with the cost. But been working out for years. I always thought I had proper form, but could definitely use the extra support. So while that may not be feasible for you, prioritizing your health in a way that fits your budget is something that everybody should think about. And there's always space in your budget to enjoy your money. The last limiting belief that I want to get into is the third principle of money that talks about in the book. And it's this idea that whatever you're doing to earn it, it should have some meaning. The way that you earn money has to be done with integrity. And when you don't do it with integrity, even if you have no empathy, which fun fact, the range of empathy is actually something that's encoded in your DNA. There's a gene that allows people to feel empathetic and some people feel more empathy than others. When you don't operate with integrity, even if you pretend you do deep down, it's going to eat away at you and it's going to make you feel sorrow. And then it manifests itself negatively in your life one way or another. And what I don't necessarily agree with the authors on this concept that everything that you do, every business venture has to have some deeper meaning and it has to be the project of you pursuing your purpose. That's what I think stops a lot of people from starting businesses. It's this idea that they have to be working on something that they're deeply passionate about. So I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that you can be passionate about making money because of what it allows you to do. So you can be passionate about investing. And then it's what you do with that investing income that's going to have the deeper meaning. It's what you do with those funds later on that's going to have that connection to purpose. So if you use money in a way that enriches the lives of others around you, that's what the key is. If you're going to develop real estate and create housing for people, yes, you're profiting for yourself because development is very lucrative. You're also pursuing a greater purpose that has meaning. I want you to think about the idea and the connection between money and purpose and where having money will allow you to discover and tap into a deeper meaning in your life. The overarching theme of the book, and I've alluded to this a little bit throughout the podcast, is this idea that profit is negative. People are motivated by profit. That's just how our society works. And profit can be used to enrich the lives of others. From a business standpoint, when you're looking back on all that you've achieved, you want to see the way that you've conducted business and you conducted yourself in a way that had some sort of lasting meaning and left a good mark on the world. And to summarize the whole book in a few lines or less, and to summarize all of ancient Tibetan wisdom, it's this idea that all human endeavor, everything that we as humans do is to enrich ourselves and it's to achieve prosperity both inside and outside. And you can only fully enjoy prosperity if you maintain a high degree of physical and mental health. So over the length of our lives, you want to be seeking out ways to make prosperity meaningful in a larger sense. So money is neither good nor bad. It's what you do with it. And getting to a state of abundance is not the end goal. It's getting to a state 
of abundance where you've got the time and energy to focus on pursuing your passions and pursuing the value that you're going to bring to the world. So that's where the intersection of spirituality and business lies for me. I hope this episode was eye-opening for you and I hope you learned a thing or two or it made you question limiting beliefs that you might have had in your own life. It was a little bit different in terms of what I've done in the past, but this is in tune with who I am. I want this podcast to be a full reflection of who I am. So I hope you guys like this kind of content. If you're listening on Apple, I would really appreciate you leaving me a review uh, to help other people come across these episodes. I'm going to be dropping a couple more episodes before the end of the year. We're starting a brand new season in January, and it's going to be my biggest one yet. I'm super excited. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I appreciate each and every one of you. Ciao for now.